Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 15 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Dr. John Mike. I earn my PhD in exercise science, and um, I'm a team member and columnist for EliteFTS.com. I've been a strength and conditioning coach, and uh, I'm getting really hungry, so it's time for those good old morning pancakes. Oh, I hear you. I made some uh, – I actually whipped up some biscuits. I put some fiber powder in them, you know, just to slow down the glycemic index a little. It's just funny, but sometimes nice. you just got – you need some carbs, you know. So you do, you do. Eggs and biscuits and, you know, I mean, you, you got to eat like you mean it. I, I know, I know you, you're a big believer in that too. Uh, yeah, it, you know what, listeners, it's uh, – we've talked before about how we record this fairly early, but um, yeah, more than once I've recorded this show before I ate breakfast, you know, and it's like by the end of the show I'm I'm drinking some coffee or tea maybe, but trying not to get cranky <laughs> because I'm starving, you know, like hangry. Anyway, okay, uh, I've got a little bit of news today. Phil is not with us, although Phil did, despite the new Bambino and his hip replacement and everything else, he sent us a seven-minute clip uh, about exercise addiction. It was related to a question from one of his, um, I think, a gym member there. So we, we'll add that on before the end of the, the first half of the show, before we go to break. Uh, first, we're just going to cover a little bit of news that I had promised everybody. Um, listeners, if you did tune in in the last couple of weeks, I had mentioned a few things about avocados, uh, coffee, and a un- supplement that's sort of floating around in bodybuilding circles called berberine. So let's start with the avocados thing here. This might be a little less relevant to getting huge and ripped, but uh, this is from the Lab Roots. Um, news service. If anybody's curious, I get some of my articles that I talk about here through uh, Lab Roots, but it's called Are Avocados the Next Healing Tree? It's by Brenda Kelly Kim. So this is uh, spanking new stuff here from uh, June of this year. It says, in modern medicine, plants like pomegranate, milk thistle, cranberries, blueberries, and a host of others are used to treat all kinds of illnesses. They sort of explain these are nutraceuticals and It says one of the latest nutraceuticals is getting attention uh, due to recent studies from the University of Waterloo. And my students down here in Ohio, I often tell them how active the Canadian research network is. You know, you'll see a lot of their master's students start publishing in premier journals. It's just a really great setup of collaboration between universities. So Waterloo is one of these schools. And there there's a professor, Paul uh, Spagnuolo. And he's looking at avocados to treat a type of leukemia called AML, acute myeloid leukemia. Uh, Apparently, there's a feature of this where stem cells, right, cells that sort of grow and differentiate into other things, they drive the disease, unfortunately, in this case. And it says, so avocados to treat cancer, 
Uh, apparently, it may be possible. There's a lipid, I guess, in avocados that works directly against some of these deadly stem cells. Uh, and rather than just feed people large amounts of avocados, they're trying to develop a drug from it. You know, isolate the compound and th this and that sort of thing. Apparently, this compound, this lipid, it leaves healthy cells unharmed, uh, but it really targets, you know, the cancer cells. Um, scientists at the university chose to isolate the nutraceutical compounds from the plant rather than simply plant extracts. And most listeners know that's what we have in our industry usually are the extracts uh, uh, because extracts can vary so much. You know, they need a very specific compound here. They named the compound Avocatin B, and the <laughs> research was published in Oncology Journal Research. Uh, a lot of this early stuff, I don't even think it's with humans yet, but it's interesting to me that there are so many phytochemicals, uh, you know, plant substances like this. I mean, I don't know. I almost feel like in some ways nutrition is moving beyond just macros. I mean, protein, carbs, yes. and fats, have, they have a huge impact on what happens in the next 12 weeks, maybe 20 weeks, and body comp and everything. But long-term health, uh, a lot of this has to do with, I mean, think about it. I mean, almost anything onions, avocados, I mean, blueberries, a lot of the things that we would just eat for flavor uh, in a healthy way. Yeah, they're taking on a whole know. new life. I mean, I think this is just like the future of health and disease, which, which traditionally you don't really hear about a lot of foods having such a positive impact on like health and disease. Just like you said, we mainly just use the extracts, but you don't really hear about giving patients actual like foods or food like types of derivatives right. to help with to help with health health and disease because typically you just give them medications right so i think the the the, the food thing is certainly something that that is is going to be have a positive you know impact for you know health and disease right you know for, like tomatoes the future, yeah they're tomatoes, giving tomatoes like to prostate yeah. cancer patients and that sort of thing you know or uh, uh, to me, it's almost like – it's one of the reasons I think I tend to focus a little bit more on like uh, the food technology and the nutrition, for the food science and that sort of stuff. Uh, I feel like in some ways dietitians have maybe missed the boat over the past couple of decades in that uh, – you know, you're talking about like what to feed someone in a hospital setting. But in many cases, I mean, yes, it's necessary. There are things like sodium and potassium control and water intake. But over a three-day period, there's lots of – things that you're not going to change nutritionally, you know, in the no. typical length of stay in a hospital. And these, right. all these, these, uh, phytochemicals, they, um, we're talking about decades, you know, years to decades of slow cumulative benefit. And that's not really been the focus as much, you know, I mean, think about when we teach nutrition, it's protein, carbs, fats, vitamins, minerals, water. And then yeah. usually at the end, we sort of tack on phytochemicals or somewhere in the class, but, um, or zoochemicals. But they don't get, I think, the attention they deserve because in the long run, they may be actually what's keeping you from getting cancer or heart disease or – anyway. Um, next up is very similar. Um, berberine. I actually stumbled across this. There's a website called Anabolic Minds, and I yeah, do not know that. these guys, but it's it's reads a little <sighs> – Subjective. I don't want to say biased, but subjective in that they use a lot of words about powerful and, you know, and that kind of stuff. And let me give you the lowdown on this stuff, though. Berberine, apparently it works through lowering blood sugar. It's an extract from uh, a group of shrubs called berberis. Uh, it's been in Chinese medicine for a long time. And I'm no expert on this stuff. I'm just looking at what 
this article is saying about the you know this alkaloid. But it says one of the main actions is to activate AMP-activated protein kinase. So AMPK, it's sort of a metabolic switch, you know, a regulator in a cell. Uh, and I, I guess it works through that mechanism. But I think we have to be careful because there are many different plant compounds. They all seem to lower your blood sugar or help your blood cholesterol in some way, you know, when you look at animal studies or even human studies. But nobody's getting huge or ripped. You know, the clinical... <laughs> Clinical potency, I'm always skeptical. So I'm remaining skeptical about this stuff, but I want people to be aware. Uh, Mike Nelson, last week, he was already aware of this stuff. It says berberine causes a major reduction in blood sugar comparable to drugs. Now, some of these studies are in type 2 diabetics, and some are in people with uh, metabolic syndrome. Uh, I'm usually a little less excited when I see research on type 2 diabetics, uh, but Metabolic syndrome, that's one in four Americans now. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, fatty liver, low HDL, insulin resistance, central body fat, the whole thing. Uh, syndromes are collections of signs and symptoms, of course. Um, now, this says the blood sugar reducing, right, the hypoglycemic effect is similar to uh, diabetes drugs like metformin, right, glucophage. Uh, apparently, it's a 20% reduction in blood sugar in some of these patients uh, they're giving doses between uh, – sometimes they'll give 500 milligrams of berberine three times per day. Sometimes they'll give a gram uh, over the course of a day. I think you have to spread this out a little bit. But like I said, 20% reduction in blood sugar, hemoglobin A1C, and again, hemoglobin in your red blood cells, of course. It's one of the markers of long-term uh, blood sugar control. That dropped 12%. Uh, and then it said there's a there's a one or two studies about it helping you lose weight as well um, over 12 weeks. Metform, metformin is still the number one drug given to, to diabetic diabetes patients. And, and actually, a lot of bodybuilders um, have been known to take it, too. Metformin. Oh, right. Yes. Because, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, let's face it. I mean, putting blood sugar yeah. in your muscles, packing away the glycogen it, instead of storing it as fat in some way. You know, it just seems like a better approach. But anyway, there's a couple of human studies with metabolic syndrome. Again, roughly a gram a day spread out like 300 milligrams three times a day or 500 milligrams a few times a day. Lost belly fat, lost five pounds and 3.6% of their body fat. And then there's some stuff in here about cholesterol and stuff too. Oh, and I should point out the safety profile is reported at least in this Anabolic Minds article as being quite good. Uh, this is new. To me, this is a June 2015 uh, bit, so it's um, you know, it's just now in the news. I don't know. Like I said, this is maybe my long experience with this, and, and John, you too. But a lot of times when these plant extracts come out uh, and they get, they people are very excited. Like I said, in my experience, looking at hundreds, you know, maybe thousands of posters and studies and articles over the years, so often you'll see something. Uh, these plant extracts lower blood sugar, improve blood cholesterol, reduce cancer risk. It, it may be true, but I don't think it's going to be the extent to like you were saying, regardless of the hype or the early excitement from animal models or a handful of human studies, you're not going to see, like you said, the reason bodybuilders would take glucophage. I've seen patients in a clinical setting take metformin uh, that were actually had metabolic syndrome, right? They were insulin resistant and uh -huh. they'd lose one to three pounds of body fat almost a week. If, uh -huh. Just for week after oh, week yeah. after week. And I just don't know if these compounds are going to do that. Who knows? Maybe berberine is stronger uh, than those other ones that didn't impress me. But I've seen that claim many times. Yeah. I don't know. 
I tend to focus on supplements that frankly have more research behind them like creatine and whey protein and fish oils and that might be boring to some people but uh and and again you got to be open open to the possibility so yeah yeah absolutely okay i've got one last little tidbit here i also promised everyone that i would talk a little bit about coffee facts fun facts about coffee i never did get to this uh, this is from the national coffee blog dot org. It's the influence of coffee around the world. And I don't know if uh, everybody's a big fan of coffee like I am. I mean, I not only research it, I, you know, consume it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, world's most popular drink, over 500 billion cups of coffee consumed. Again, I'll just go down some of these facts. It says who produces the most Brazil makes the most coffee and followed up by Vietnam. Actually, that's interesting. So there's sort of this coffee belt, you know, in the warm areas of the world. Who drinks the most coffee? Uh, And I remember going to a coffee seminar in Bangkok, of all places, years ago and learning some of this. But people in the Netherlands drink the most, almost two and a half cups of coffee per day for people who live in the Netherlands. And I think it's because it tends to be colder there. Maybe the days are a little shorter. Like Norway is a lot like this, too. And they just like their strong you know, yeah, European coffee is so much stronger than the United than any probably most coffees in the United States. I mean, like Arabic coffee, it's really strong. I mean, you won't you won't find a lot of Arabic coffees that come in like really small shots. You know, you're not going to find Arabic coffee like giving you like three cups, you know, of that a day. You know, typically like one or two, you know, like like shots. What, what you would find like at a Starbucks, it would be more than enough. You know, to get you ramped up for your head. Right. And like Latin America, like Latin America and El Salvador. I mean, they're they're really big coffee producers. Um, you know, my uh, my brother actually lives in El Salvador now, and oh. um, he go he uh, they're they're really big into coffee. You know, down there, and and it's just like I mean, you have to. You know, people think like Starbucks is like the greatest coffee ever, and and I'm just like, you know what? Listen, I mean, you got to go to some of these other countries and try different types of you know international coffees and then you won't really say starbucks or you know or dunkin donuts or mcdonald's is your favorite you know to say to say coffee is one thing it's like telling a wine connoisseur that wine is just wine they would just stare at you aghast like what you know i mean when i was in finland for example the days were short really short like four or five hour days and coffee is what they serve there and this is not a fancy french coffee this is almost a yellowish bitter brew that just gets you off your ass and off to work when it's cold and dark outside you know it's uh very utilitarian but it's funny looking at this list of the top five all of them are northern european countries netherlands followed by finland then sweden then denmark and then uh germany which isn't quite as far north but you get the idea so these guys like their java yeah, the United States is probably like number 20. <laughs> yeah, we're lower on the list, but as far as who imports the most, um, largely because we're different in size compared to some of these countries, but Americans import the most, $5.5 billion worth of coffee. Germany, second, uh, and then France, Italy, and Japan down the way. So Americans really like their coffee. It's funny, but it talks about how studies show drinking coffee can influence energy and morale and alertness and memory so it's actually a good idea to serve it at work so a lot of these coffee companies or uh, organizations they're really focusing on the at business coffee service you know because uh everybody's more productive <laughs> when they're a little wired i guess and that's kind of funny yeah. so um yeah there's a lot of stuff in here i'm not going to go through all of it but it's um 
you know, like I said, one of the one of, if not the most drank beverage in the world. And uh, my own research, of course, I haven't talked about it in detail, but it really does suggest enhanced workout performance, you know, both oh, mental physical. and physical. It's probably not really up for debate. And I think it's important to know, too, that it's not just liquid caffeine, coffee and caffeine. We both know some of the early work, even by Terry Graham, Dr. Graham up in Canada again, um, not the same stuff. And there are some interesting things going on about it. So uh, that's the news. That's nutrition stuff. Okay. I promised that I would offer this clip of uh, Phil and his answer f about exercise addiction. So let's do that. As soon as Phil's done, we're just going to go to break. And when we come back, uh, Dr. John Mike and I are going to discuss gym etiquette. You know, do's and do nots uh, in the gym. We've brushed on this topic before, but uh, not with John. So we'll be back uh, after Phil's um, segment. Okay. I am here. This is Phil. As you guys know, I'm recording something here because I just had my little baby boy uh, a morning and a half ago. So mom and baby are resting well. I'm here at the wee hours trying to get something together for you. So like I told you guys, I put together some questions. Had you guys answer some or ask some questions and I will answer them. Um, this one's not so much a question, but one I found interesting and figured I'd, I'd attack first here. And Scott Connor and, and Neil Cushney brought it up. Wanted me to talk about training, uh, addiction. This is an interesting one. Um, <clears throat> you know, he, he originally stated it with central nervous system too, but I think it's, uh, it's totally different topics, but, um, yeah, I mean, training direction, I think is pretty real. And I think you see it in everybody when they start out, they get so wrapped up in it. It's like everything in their life, uh, revolves around it. And, uh, like every minute of the day is there's everything has a goal. It's like, Oh, I'm walking to the store. I'm going to go at this pace and this, and, uh, it's not until you get past that. Um, from what I've seen when people finally relax, settle down and, and just do, that they make real progress. I mean, you make great progress, but I mean, I was trapped up in this too, to where like I micromanaged every little second of my life. And it's kind of like the old adage that, um, or the old saying about, um, that we had in art school, you know, there's people actually being an artist and there's the ones tr uh, doing art. So <laughs> that actually are artists. So, I mean, you get wrapped up this too much in this idea of, of being, the power lifter being the bodybuilder this and that than just actually relaxing and doing it and i think that's where i made progress and uh realizing it's okay to take a fucking week off um <laughs> miss a session and it's not until people relax a bit and just enjoy the process that they actually become it um most of the best lifters i know and and best in in all the different sports or arenas as far as physique and stuff like that yeah they train their asses off and they do micromanage diet and sleep and everything to a point, but it's also still just a part of them. Um, they're not trying that hard to be the power lifter or there's that. It's, it's a piece of them. There's much more to them. So they're able to go out and do other things. They're, they're just not trying so hard. So yeah, I mean, training addiction is really hard and it's something I had to beat. And I have several clients, I think that, you know, are wrapped up in a, you know, it's just having to finally step back. You got to get through that stage where this is all new and shiny, and you think that every little thing, you're you're basically doing too much. And it wasn't until I backed off and relaxed a little bit, and I actually even 
even let go of my diet a bit that I really made progress. Like years ago, talking to Lonnie and the things like even backing down, I thought I had to run and I was running twice a day and it was like, okay, well, let's just try walking. So I changed the walking. I got leaner than I ever did. So, I mean, that that's part of it. And I think the bad thing is I think it's a step you kind of have to go through as well because you learn a lot from it. I know I learned a ton from just being uh, anal about everything. And then you're able to relax and then you just do what you know. So, um, I don't know what else you guys want me to touch on that, but I mean, that's kind of, kind of one of the things. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's a level of obsession and uh, we're, we're an obsessive culture. So of course you're going to be a little obsessed. I mean, I plan my day around training a, a lot of times and, and things I do, but it's more habitual. It, it's a habit thing. I think it becomes problematic is when it, when it starts affecting you negatively. I mean, if you just flat out can't, any time of the year, just go out to eat with people, you got a fucking problem. You know, now, of course, if you got, you know, a show coming up or this or that, things are going to be a little different. But, you know, other than that, I mean, 99.99% of you guys aren't ever going to be the best. You're never going to be Mr. Olympia. You don't need to stress that much about it. I mean, most even professional athletes don't stress that much about their sport. They just go do it, man. They go do it. They go do it hard. And then once they're off the field, they let that go. And you got to be able to relax about it. And that's where the problematic, the problem comes in with training addiction is you're stressing about that minutia like 24 hours a day. You're outside of the gym and you're stressing about training. Well, did I push it hard enough? Was that the right set? Is this training program I'm on right? On right? Do I need to tweak this? You just got to freaking relax and just do it and trust it. Put that 12 weeks in. Put that 8 weeks in, whatever. Then sit back. Okay, look at it. Ah, maybe I could have made some changes. You know, stressing about it during is not going to help anybody. And, you know, every part of your life can't be micromanaged to the point that it has a freaking calorie count and, and it has a goal like, oh, I'm going to go swim with my kids. I need to keep moving for this many minutes. No, no, just go have some freaking fun um, and just let it add up, man. It's just lead the life. Don't micro micromanage the life. So, I mean, that's what I would say about the training addiction thing. And, yeah, yeah, I think it is real. I mean, just as much so as as like food addiction. I think it's all mental, and it's because we're we're this all or nothing society, and more is better, more is better. And it's it's when you actually just relax and just do it, man. Just just do what you know. And if you can't do that, maybe hire somebody and just do what they say. Don't add on a bunch of crap because that's the other part of it. I mean, you say, well, that's probably not enough. Well, you know, it worked for this guy, and he's like a world record holder now. So maybe if you relax a little bit and you know Usain Bolt only goes for a, a max run like once every four freaking years the rest of the time he's just punching the clock and doing what it takes so you can't run it at high gear and you don't need to go in every single freaking day so it's not going to hurt you can always change it in 12 weeks if that didn't work change it and <laughs> I've never really seen anybody go backwards from training, training hard even on a crappy program or, or a crappy diet it's like and even if you do, let's say you gain five pounds, who gives a shit? You know? So lose five pounds now. Make the frickin' tweak. It's not the end of the world. So, alright guys, I'm back to my wife and my little baby. They're coming home today. So, I'm sure we're gonna have lots of wakeless nights. So I'll probably be down here like three in the morning holding a little kid. So, um, cheers!
Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Iron Radio listeners are a unique bunch. You value both in-the-trenches skills and the research and evidence that informs it. That's why, as a listener-supported show, we occasionally do funds drives to keep everything free and advancing. Did you know your donations at www.ironradio.org pay for web servers? They allow for small sponsorships of gifted competitors or students and even partly fund research on our specific population. That's what we're asking for during the spring and early summer funds drive. Dr. Lowry, that's me, and some students are on the verge of some key discoveries involving caffeine and explosive lifts, but we need help to get the message out. If you value the authenticity, expertise, and real progress Iron Radio provides, please consider a donation. Any amount is appreciated, but if you could put forward $25 or more and email robertfortney at hotmail.com about it, We'll send you some behind-the-scenes audio lab notes that were recorded during data collection. They offer true insight into what research is like on barbell athletes. Thank you for considering it. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, we are back from break, and this is Dr. John and Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and we are talking about Jim 
etiquette. And uh, we've talked about this topic before on the show, but uh, nothing really more in depth. And, you know, Lonnie, I know you've read something recently in the Huffington Post about, you know, gym etiquette. But, um, you know, you, you, we were talking about that it, it, we're going to have a little twist on it and, and, and kind of move it more toward bodybuilding and, and powerlifting and strongman because, you know, typically in those articles, when you see those types of articles and you know the uh, social media and online, they're they're really more for the lay yeah. you know person, like yeah. the do's and the don'ts, and they 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 really don't um, discuss on the performance and you know, strength side of things. Right uh, now, let me run down this this article a little bit here. Um, this is a 2015 piece, and it, it begs a lot of questions, like you were saying, what the Gen Pop. Uh, thinks about with gym etiquette like something you'd see in the Huffington Post versus uh, what we might think about. And everyone, you'll know what we're talking about here in a little bit. Let me run down some of this list, though. 13 rules, uh, there are 13 rules of gym etiquette. Like it says, when the sweat runs, wipe it up. Uh, so if there's sweat around, they want you to wipe it up. The truth is I can show you pictures from my gym, of, uh, especially the cardio equipment. It's got salty streaks all over it because these bodybuilders mm-hmm. are just, you know, they're dieting. No, Nobody, well, most lifters I don't think really enjoys cardio, you know, and it, so just getting on a bike like a lot of bodybuilders do. But So r- wipe up your sweat. Uh, number two, don't be a gym intimidator. That makes me makes me think of Planet <laughs> Fatness, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, I, there's everybody's intimidating in my gym. <laughs> I think they want to be. It's just they're trying to get in the mood, uh, and nobody's nobody's hurt by that. I guess um, if someone asks asks to work in with you, the polite answer is yes. Uh, they talk about re racking the weights. Um, number five, yes, we can hear you now. It's just talking about talking on your phone or texting in the gym. That's pretty uncommon in my gym. I mean, I might actually. That's actually that's actually really common in in most um, like chain gyms or even like local chain gyms. I mean, I mean, and and I I mean I use my phone when I train, but I use it just to listen to music. And right. If I get like an email or text or Facebook yep. or something. Yep. I mean, I I won't even look at it. I mean, sometimes it's tempting not to look at it. You know, but. And, and I mean, most people to me are on the phone. I, I'm on my phone because I just use it for to listen to the tunes, right? So, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, you get you get these guys that are just, you know, they get in these groups of twos or threes, and they just, you know, they take up the bench, and then between sets are just chatting and yammering on, and and, and it's just it's time waste. People waste so much effing time, you know, at the gym just doing just nothing, you know, and they and they end up taking what should be an hour and 15, 30 minutes or however long that, that it takes for you to be in the gym. Because, uh, I mean, let's face it, there's no certain amount of required time for somebody to be in the gym. Yeah, you know, it could be 30, yeah. 30 minutes. It could be up to three hours. But, you know, for, for most people, for most young guys, it's like they're in there for an hour and a half or two hours, and they end up being in there for, you know, 30, 45 minutes longer just because they're still fouling around on their phone. Right. And, uh, and, and that's that's something that I just – I, I can't stand. Well, how could you have your head in it? You know, when you're yeah. taking care of business, clicking on your, you know, your text in the whole time and stuff. Especially when somebody's waiting for the equipment. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, let me run down this list, and then we'll just jump on some of the stuff, and then add some. Um, Space Invaders is one of theirs, which is basically, you know, some people they just spread out the content to their gym bag, or they're with a buddy, and they just sort of own a section of the gym. We we're talking about this in a recent episode. 
the the listener question actually was pointing the finger at CrossFitters doing this because you know they've got all their own special little uh, you know workout of the day kinds of things going on. Um, but there's the people who hog space. Uh, there's some stuff about um, smell. You know whether it's people wearing cologne or just bo. You know that kind of stuff. Uh, actually, a certain amount of staleness is kind of part of my gym's atmosphere, to be honest. But should you be wearing that? I think this this is talking about people wearing, um, you know, sexy stuff. And the funny thing is, it always offends me in a Gen Pop gym where people go there almost like it's a club, like you know, yeah. like to show off their. They got on the yoga pants or the the low cut this or that, and or you know, the guys are checking their abs in the mirror, and there's all this kind of stuff going on. And to me, uh, now some listeners might find this odd, but to me. The brutality of the gym, at least the way I've always done it in my life, maybe that's why my joints are so shot, but is very far removed from anything sexual. It's it's distracting because this article points out how that's distracting. And it's true. I mean, when you're about when you've got hundreds of pounds on your back, you're trying to get brutal, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's there's it's just not about. Th- that I don't. It's not about the opposite sex. Um, yeah, it's a, it's become a, like especially one of the local chain gyms here. I mean, there's a lot of you know good looking you know hot women there, but it's just like I don't really care about that. Like, and I I, I go to two gyms. You know, one's a powerlifting strongman gym, and it's more hardcore, and the other one's just a local chain gym. And I and I go back and forth depending on what I what I have to do and things like that. But yeah, it's just most of these gyms, they become just like a fashion show. Just like you said, I mean, wearing like tight yoga pants and, you know, guys, you know, it's like everything sleeveless shirt or like super tight shirts. I mean, you know how these guys are aligned. They're like 19, 21 years old. They're wearing the, the super tight Under Armour shirts and they have like no body mass, you know, whatsoever. And I mean, I, I can't wear really tight clothes when I when I train, I have to wear either a sleeveless shirt or things that are really really loose, you know, because I'm getting down to the bar, I'm squatting or, you know, moving around, and that's I just find that personally uncomfortable to wear like an extremely tight shirt because I don't want to have to keep moving the shirt around all the time, you know, when I train. It's just like that's not, you know, nobody cares about that. Even if the hardcore gyms, it's like it's it's almost like certain things at hardcore gyms are. The total opposite. Opposite, of, yeah. You, yep. you know what I mean? It's like at our hardcore gym here. I mean, people grunt and you know, and and, and we yell and do certain things that that are common it, there. But then they're just then when you do it at, at local chain gyms or, or, or whatever, it's like everyone stops and stares at you that you're, that you're some like gorilla in a zoo. You know? Um, yeah. So it's just really there's there's certain things that are common and, and uncommon depending on where you work, train at. <laughs> and I think it's purpose-driven, right? When you go to a serious gym, if you're lucky enough to find one, like I will wear what I call spandex. You could call it Under Armour, whatever you want. It's old school, but I wear them under sweatpants, you know? Yeah. I tend to wear like baggy sweatshirts and that sort of thing, or like what you said about yelling. See, I'm not wearing those those form-fitting things uh, I just feel like the extra support when I squat. You know, it's not about showing off. Nobody can see anything. I got on big, heavy sweats, you know, or with the yelling and stuff. It's one thing to growl when you're trying to drive up the last rep. You're not doing it for anybody's approval or attention. You're doing it because you're lost in the set, you know. Exactly. And like there was a guy mentioned, oh, man, it was probably a year or better ago. He He's not at the gym anymore. But he – um he would scream like at the top of his lungs with almost every rep. 
And it's like, dude, I don't know if this is what you feel like you're carving your niche, like this is your special thing, this is what you do, but you're annoying the shit out of the normal people. And I mean, this guy was borderline, uh, like maladjusted. You know what I mean? It was ridiculous. (laughs) And at some point, it's like, dude, that's not impressing anybody. Shut up. You know, I mean, like I said, it's one thing if you growl up a last rep or something, but every rep like that, you're, again, it's, the intent of what he's doing is to get attention instead of just to be lost in the workout. Absolutely. It's just all about getting attention. I mean, and and the the, the saying that's still people still use to this day and you know, it's, it's all you bro. It's all you. And I'm sorry, you know, when, when you're doing 185, you know, barbell inclines and it's, and then people are yelling, it's all you bro. And your range of motion is kind of half-assed, you know, at, at that point, it's all about attention. Yeah. You know, and, and and it's like, you know, people and, and, you know, and strong, strong is relative, you know, to the person and what and what you're doing. But, you know, there's just, and we've talked about this on the show before. There, there's there's certain, I think, requirements to, to, to be set to, to feel that you're strong or you're um, have a certain strength standard to be able to. And because it's like in the local change gym, I mean, I'm by far the strongest person there. But at the other gym that I go to, you know, I'm not. So I, I like I like being places to where other people are stronger, you know, than me um, in certain things. Because let's face it, I mean, that, that's how you get better is to be around people that are better and, and stronger than you are, um, you know, as opposed to just being like the top dog. And for most people, they feel like they don't want to work, you know, the extra hard to you know make make progress. But um, you know, one of the um, uh, one of the things you, you may have on your list and. Um, I, I've seen this a lot. Of course, this is probably the one, the number one common one is you know curling in the, in the squat rack. And, right. Yeah. I mean, I think we're we're all we're let's face it. I mean, we just be honest. We're all guilty of this. Right. You know? No, that's right. So, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I I see it from both sides. I don't I don't see a problem with it. You know, per se. But I think if it, depending on what type of gym that you're at and how many people go there and just the overall atmosphere. You know, if if you're curling, you know, 95 pounds in the squat rack and there's other people there that need to use it for a specific purpose, like squatting or overhead pressing, you know, or something like that. Those then two, get the hell you know, out mainly, of there. Yeah. Then, then just get the hell out of there, you know. And then sometimes, like a lot of times what I do, if I if I curl, if I'm, if I'm doing, you know, axle curls or whatever, um, if the other racks are taken up, wherever gym that I go to, I'll just curl right on the outside of the rack, you know, so somebody else can can actually use it for for its intended purposes. You know, you're right. There's um, no there's nothing inherently wrong with doing some barbell curls, right? I mean, I, I'm I'm not so macho that I'm like, well, I just do the big three power lift. I mean, I'm not a power lifter. You know, my career was always in bodybuilding. And there's nothing wrong with doing arm-specific work, but like you said, you can do that somewhere else. I mean, you can literally just stand in the middle of an open floor and do that, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. whereas a, a squat rack or a power rack, it's sort of – it's meant for some of the, you know, heavier stuff. So what what actually begged this question was about a year ago – in fact, I think it was last summer – someone wrote in, and we didn't get to fully address it, but uh, the person asked, Rob, what do you think about curling in the squat rack uh, – and then they clouded the question, and you can appreciate this because you're such a big overhead presser, but they said, well, if curling in the squat rack is looked down upon, what about 
overhead pressing. Certainly, that blurs the line a little bit. That's arguably less isolationist lift. It's more of a heavy basic kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I would only say that the bottom line is a power rack is mostly, I would say, would be built for, in my opinion, stuff like squatting or if you're going to do some kind of, I don't know, um, sticking point bench type stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things you do with a power rack or even a squat rack, but the point being is um, I I do see his point that overhead pressing kind of blurs that a little because when you talk about some of these bodybuilding type movements, they're... No one's going to say these are wimpy things. I mean, barbell rows, bent rows, overhead presses. You know, these are yeah, not frou frou things. That. You know, yeah, people people do those in a rack. I mean, what? I'm mean, like when I like this past week, um, or uh, or last week rather, when I did suspended chains overhead pressing, I have to do those in the rack because I have to suspend the chains from the top of the rack. Yeah, like when yeah. I when I do when I do, you know, strict overhead work or even speed work. I'll do it right on the outside of the rack. So I'm actually not in the rack, um, you know, per, per se. But, you know, one of the things about, like, heavy rack pulls, I mean, where the hell are you going to do that at? You can do that off a fucking bench, you know? Right, <laughs> uh, right. You know, what I, you know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, I, I overhead press either on the outside or the inside depending on what specific thing that I'm doing. So I, I see what the guy – I see what the person's point is. Um, but it, it, then again, the, the rack is meant to be – used in a, in a versatile way, not just for one or two specific things, you know, and anymore, you know, and that's why you have in, in, in big chain gyms, you have separate benches in hardcore powerlifting, strongman gyms, you have, um, you know, Forza competition benches or other benches that you use. So you don't just have to use the rack, you know, for everything. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I understand what the guy's, you know, guy's point is, but you know, overhead pressing, I mean, <laughs> Unless you're using a log, you know, you don't, you have to use the rack, you know, um, even when you, I mean, if you're doing dumbbells, you can do them seated or standing, but you know, if you're doing standing overhead pressing, I mean, where are you going to rack the weight? You have to use the rack. Yeah. It's only so, offensive when you get some, like you said, some guy in there, he's got a 10 pound plate. And again, it, it's not about, um, just the weight. Anybody who's trying really hard, I'm going to tend to be in his corner or her corner, you know, but yeah, when they hang out there. When they could be somewhere else, again, because curling is something you can you could do off almost anything, you know, even a freestanding mm-hmm. floor. So if you're going to do that and all you want to do is keep looking at your, uh, you know, you're doing curls for the girls and you're just keep looking at your guns and you're wasting time. I can see how that could irritate people who are like, listen, I've got I got an hour uh, appointment with this power rack and I need to squat, man. You know, so I, I, I do see how. Uh, extreme situations like that. And I think we've ripped on that before. I mean, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Like you said, we're all guilty of it. I've I've done curls out of power racks or squat racks before where I'm just, there's really nobody else in the gym. Who cares? Right. You know, but uh, put your weights back. I think that's a no-brainer in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, some of the things off, off this Gen Pop Huffington Post list, like sweat or keep your music down or a lot of this stuff doesn't really apply to my gym it's a different value system like we don't care about sweat or a little bit of you know anything that's not really stagnant bo i mean the gym is more or less wiped down you know but um weights there's everybody's seen the signs you know what i'm talking about it says your mom still doesn't work here put your damn weights back Uh, i think that's important too i've always been a huge stickler with that if you're going to honor what you're doing 
put your damn weights back. I strip down the bars completely, you know, or even if I'm doing leg presses or what, uh, whatever I'm doing, I would never leave stuff there, like leave this stuff loaded. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's just, it's just a sign of disrespect, you know, that that's really what it comes down to disrespect for the, for the gym, you know, the weights, the other people there. And, um, so that's really what it comes down to. <clears throat> that's, you know, one thing I, I've, you don't really see this a whole lot and um you know like a main big box gyms in big cities but i've seen it a few times and though it's people eating while they're actually training oh now, yeah. now, now yeah. most of the time most of the time and i I've, I've done this myself and even at the uh, you know hardcore gym here you know where, where I train in Albuquerque, a lot of times you know we will have our our pre-training meal maybe at the gym and then we wait a little bit and then we train. But that's different from actually eating during your actual training sets. I mean, if you're somebody like a big celebrity or you know I've seen like Twitter, Instagram, you know photos and videos of uh, you know the rock you know Dwayne Johnson do you know eating bowls of oatmeal like during his training i mean those those are extreme you know examples and obviously like you know he can he can do that because of his you know lifestyle and his schedule but if you're just a regular gym goer i mean why in the hell do you need to eat during your training you know i mean that's that's something it's it's just like something that you should automatically do you know bef- before i mean it's just it's it's not really it's it's something that you just really should not do. I mean, there's pro bodybuilders and stuff that have that have done it, and even at different competitions and shows, and you know, they have their Tupperware, Tupperware, you know, with grilled chicken and vegetables, and they're eating at the table and and stuff like that. But that's that's not they're not eating while they're actually training. And like I said, it's something that you don't see a whole lot, but I have seen a few. times. I have. I'll tell you, back in the day, I would. Well, it was after, but. And again, if if you work in the front desk of a gym and it, there's almost no one there, it doesn't matter. But I've actually sat on like a utility bench, cracked open a can of tuna and washed it down with orange juice, you know, after I worked yeah. out uh, that sort of thing. That's very old school, you know, uh, but it didn't matter because it wasn't really busy. I wasn't making a mess, but it is true. I mean, like when if I take a weight gainer, so, sometimes I'd like to sip on some like whey protein and carbs or something while I'm training. I usually, well, not usually, I always have some kind of a lid on it, like a screw top lid. You know, there's mm-hmm. a tip for everybody because if it's a pop top lid, you can still, it could still leak or come off, you know, and I mean, spilled, nothing is worse than sticky ass spilled or spoiling weight gainer. You know, anybody who's ever spilled weight gainer in their car knows what I'm talking about. It's terrible. Yes, I have. Absolutely. You know, it's a mess. <laughs> uh, but I see your point, you know, you keep it discreet, keep it out of the way, screw top lid, yeah, and as far as eating solid food, um, for goodness sake, I mean, most recommendations are to drink some whey or carbs if you're going to do the, like, Perry workout stuff. It's not always eat huge amounts of solid food in the middle of a training session. I, I think you could survive for the 75 minutes you're in the gym without eating your oatmeal or eating solid food. Yeah, and most gyms, I mean, most gyms don't allow you to eat solid food in there anyway, so... Um, but I mean, drink, drinks, of course, are, you know, obviously, uh, really big. I mean, and I take a workout drink. So I, I, I've seen that a few times, people actually eating solid food while they're actually, you know, in the yeah, gym yeah. and, um, and, and, and kind of, and this kind of goes along to, uh, um, with the same kind of parallels in the same way. 
is those guys that are about, I don't know, anywhere from like 160 up to maybe, you know, 190, 200 pounds, and they just constantly carry around a gallon of water like they're getting ready, <laughs> like they're getting ready to, 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 compete. to compete against like Ronnie, Ronnie Coleman, yeah. you know, at the, at the yeah. Mr. Olympia. And I'm just like, for Christ's sake, just bring, I mean, and it's like, they, I don't understand the mentality, you know, to be, to be quite honest. I mean, and I carry water, but like, I'm like 300 pounds, you know? So well, it goes back to the I, intent, right? It, it's partly an intent. If you really are trying to flush your system and you've got a specific reason, and that's really what you're about, fine. But when you see guys walking around the floor of the Arnold Classic and the Expo, and they're not competing, you know, they've got on dioderm or they're fake tanned and they're carrying around a gallon jug of distilled water, they're doing that to get attention. And it's exactly. the only kind of attention they're getting from me is scorn <laughs> because it's right. just foolish. Like I said, it's not the same thing. If, if you're one of the listeners, you're like, oh, I do that. Well, if you've got a specific purpose and you, and you can tell me why you're doing it, because usually you only see that kind of a- activity um, literally within 24 to 36 hours before getting on stage because you're trying to manipulate your water balance. You know, yeah. uh, otherwise – I don't know why you're you feel compelled to carry the whole gallon jug again during your 75 minutes in the gym or when you're going to class or whatever you're doing. Like I said, if if somebody could tell me why they're doing that, that's cool. I mean, mm-hmm. they might have a specific reason, uh, but I would want a pretty good one because otherwise uh, there's too many chumps out there that just do that for attention. It, it makes them feel yeah. like a bodybuilder. I don't know why, but it's embarrassing. And they don't even compete. <laughs> right. They're not competing. They're not do- I don't know what they're doing. Like I said, competitors I've seen do that, and I can understand why. I've walked around with gallon jugs, well, mostly like in my car and stuff. Not, but that's like, yeah, when you're you're traveling to compete and you can't have regular tap water for a very limited period of time. Whatever. Yeah. So, well, that's a decent list. And like I said, there are some things that, that come up, and a lot of it's gray area or based on intent. You know, is it purpose driven or are you just trying to get attention? Uh, you know, and again, different value systems. Uh, gen pop gyms, you know, they're worried about music too loud or sweat. Well, damn, that's those are non issues in my gym. Uh, I have one last thing, real quick, uh, before we wrap things up. I got an email from Libsyn. L-I-B-S-Y-N. They're our backup server. If you go to ironradio.org, you can see this in the upper right. Um, We started a backup server about a year ago. It does cost uh, additional, uh, but the Brinkster server that we we use, it will inexplicably go down on us. And I'm like, enough of that. So here, the Libsyn guys uh, allow us to do several things, not the least of which is an app. And they just updated their app. I was mentioning this recently. They are pushing us to... Uh, monetize some back content. So I'm going to announce this again. I was talking about this last summer. If you want to harvest all of the audio, the easiest way to do that, I would think, would be like iTunes or something. Go download it all now. Go get it all now in case they push us into a corner with this. But there are some benefits like the Podcast Source app. Uh, It used to be called uh, Podcast Box. But anyway, the Podcast Source app, they just said, let your fans know that they can go to the iTunes App Store, Google Play, Windows Phone, or Amazon Android App Store, install the Podcast Source app for free. The app itself is free. Then they look, you look for Iron Radio within the app. So the app would, would not say Iron Radio only. It would be the Podcast Source app. And I really have tried 
Uh, it's not every week, but I often put extras. It allows us to put bonus stuff in there. I put um, PowerPoint stuff that explains some of the science we're discussing. I've put extra audio, like behind the scenes, like before we hit the record button, what we're talking about. Uh, so I do try to put the occasional freebie in there. If you've had the Podcast Source app, uh, already go back and look at some of those old episodes uh, there's rare instances where I'll go back and add something that I thought was appropriate even later but there's a little bonus button that you can hit so it does allow more distribution uh, Iron Radio goes out through several channels uh, so there it is uh, if you want to be sure you get all the old content do that uh, I don't think they could ever make us um, or we would even want to monetize like the last year's worth of stuff. Uh, but there are some different examples where we might want to add bonus content or some of the older stuff and just archive it. And if you really want that, then you would get a subscription or something like that. Again, don't panic. There's no plans for any of that because we have supporting members and we rather do that route, right? So no worries. We just need those auto-debit supporting members. And again, we have... Uh, enough to pay for our two servers but barely uh, so if anybody wants to help with that we always appreciate that it's four dollars a month and like i say in the ad it's that's literally less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees you know at least you know what you're getting uh with that four dollars a month or with a one-time donation anyway so just some news about the app that's all i've got man me too. Great show. All right. We'll see everybody next week. We'll have Phil back on, and I'm going to try to hunt down Fortress, too. He came out of the woodwork recently, and uh, I'll see what I can do with him. Awesome. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store one for phil one for fortress and one for myself dr lowry and they're thematic so you can go into our halls of iron store and choose based on your goal if you need something to learn or read or something nutritional you can look in my store uh, lonnie's store if you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition then take a look at phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each Hall of Iron are actually based on our own recommendations protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, 
please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.